Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome to October. We are in October 2020. Can you believe that? Perhaps this is the month that we just really need to decide that we're going to have fresh eyes upon this world, regardless of what's going on around us. Perhaps it's time that we don't need to let the outside world dictate our thoughts and our actions, but that we really determine that all of these will be uh, chosen by what we instill within our hearts, our minds, and in our lives. And I want to introduce you to a wonderful individual. He's a traveler, an entertainer, an author, an inspirational speaker. And he has written a fabulous book to have you embark on fresh eyes upon the world. And his name is Neil Grace. And I want to share a little bit about what he has to say about personal growth. From the moment we are conceived, we begin a ceaseless journey of change that forms who we are. Many factors influence and shape our identities. We do our best to function well in the world full of tumult and challenges. Survival for most of us presents some daunting tasks we must resolve before we can move on to the next plateau of our destiny. Life for us humans is full of sublime experiences and terrifying fears. We do, however control more of our lives than we realize. Oftentimes, we feel like a victim to the rough and unpredictable tides of life. We feel tossed around by waves over which we have no control. These feelings can be effectively managed once we gain command of ourselves. Life is synonymous with self-discovery. Well, Neil Grace, welcome to 1111 Talk Radio, and let's wipe those eyes clean and see this world with fresh eyes today. And I think that your book is definitely going to have an important part in that over this next hour. Welcome. Well, thank you very much, Shimron. I appreciate it. I love being here, and uh, hopefully uh, we can inspire the listeners with the content of our sharing. Well, I chose some different points within the book. You you have different questions throughout the book, and then you dialogue about them. And they're very valid points that I think would apply to any individual wherever they are. And I want to start with the question that you posed in your first chapter, and that is, how can I be more receptive to new ideas? And underneath that, you've written, live every day as a wondrous adventure by being open to new ideas, and that one of the best ways to become more receptive to new ideas is to actually sit back and to allow them to come to you in a neutral frame of mind. We are anywhere but a neutral frame of mind in the world today, <laughs> I would have to say. That is that, true. That is We're in not a very where we pivotal. are. <laughs> well, that's why it's really important to be open-minded, to be receptive to new ideas, not necessarily to... Uh, agree with everything that comes to us, but at least be willing to explore, examine, and scrutinize these things and see if they apply to your life and if they can enhance your life. We need to take more of a stance and who we are and how we conduct ourselves and the values that we want to promote and how we want to live. And we need to not stay stagnant and stuck 
and static because when we do that, we become very rigid, dogmatic, uptight, and we kind of cut off the flow of life, the energetic flow of life. And it's important to be receptive to new things and to keep uh, questioning things, not to be confused, but to be exploratory and expansive in your thinking because the more you can expand your own consciousness, the more you will get in touch with the mystery and the wonder and the beauty of life and the more powerful you'll feel as an individual contributing to the improvement of society and of the world. That is so true, and I think the challenge for a lot of people is to find that place of neutrality, especially when there's so many voices outside, and we tend to listen to all the negative voices outside and avoid the negative voices that have been clamoring on the inside. And so what would you, Mm -hmm. when you talk about sitting back and allowing them to come into that neutral state of mind, what would you, in your own way of... um, doing your own inner work, suggest to people in terms of dealing with that negativity that is uh, bouncing around inside to be able to attain that neutral state of mind? Well, that's a great question because many of us have preconceptions about things. We have a lot of fear. We have a lot of unresolved issues, and they can engender a whole slew of negative feelings. And these are not going to go away. But what we can do when we have these negative feelings swirling around our thoughts and our emotions, what we can do is try to be aware of them. And the more we can kind of shine a laser light of awareness on these negative feelings, we can then question them. Where do they come from? Are they valid? Do they serve me? Do they serve the world? Do they enable me to be my creative, beautiful, spiritual, wonderful, unique self? Or am I being a victim to these things? Are they struggling with inside me and making me struggle in my experience of life? Look at them, study them, and say to yourself, they might be real, but they don't define who I am. I am much more than these negative things and I can neutralize them by simply being aware of myself, by meditating, by taking a deep breath, by relaxing within myself, by thinking about the beautiful creature that I am, and I mean that very positively, and thinking about how precious it is to be alive And that preciousness is not, again, defined by the negative things bombarding me. Negativity is mostly a manifestation or a result of fear that has not been resolved within you. The more fear you have, the more it's going to produce a whole slew of negative feelings. So it's important to try to master who you are and what you feel and what is happening to you in a way that says, I am going to benefit from these explorations and this self-inquiry. I am not going to be a victim to my negativity. You don't want to deny them, but you also don't want to empower them by ignoring them. 
And I, I believe that that is what the mystic does. They're willing to face all of that. I've always been very much an avid explorer of the inner world. And I've discovered that when I have found fear, like what you said, there's so many more layers of fear underneath there. Yet, I think a lot of people run from their fear or they feel a fear and then they go into a place of distraction because there's so many things in the world to distract us. Our, our, uh, our, our things we're addicted to, our work, uh, just busyness, our, uh, different places of where we want to be enraged. All of these things end up being distractions from our own fear. So what you're talking about, and you say it in your book, we're developing a muscle in the mind when we are willing mm-hmm. to carry the weight of fear in front of us, aren't we? Yes, Shimron. That's actually a good point because fear is such a terrible thing for most people. They deny it, they repress it, suppress it, and also they become fearful of their own fear. So I think what it needs, it's a transformational journey that fear is really not, the things you fear are not as great as you think. It's mostly a toxicity of the ego, of the mind. Now, it's true, some fear in the world is very real and and valid and undeniably um, unavoidable. If you're caught in the middle of a war and the uh, so-called enemy is coming after you, you know, you've got to take steps to preserve yourself, to stay alive. And that fear is real. But most fear comes from, again, unresolved emotional issues that are lodged in your ego and your psyche and then just play a role there in diminishing your own self-worth and self-value. That brings me to a point later in your book where you talk about why do people lie? And we must teach a person who lies how the truth can be a liberation from fear. Uh, I, I love where you say um, that lies can manifest in all kinds of situations. And it has become an unavoidable behavioral tactic where we have no choice but to rely on a difficult set of circumstances. And so if you go into the dynamics of lying... You say integrity and authenticity are values we hold in high esteem, and no one really wants to be a liar, but it ends up happening because of a lack of safety. When we can reach a place Mm -hmm. of inner safety and security, lying to others is completely contrary to our true self. And fears that are inside of us, we are believing, number one, in a lie. The majority of the time, we're, we're putting aside war, you know, and, and things like that that you're talking about that are, are things that we have to deal with uh, in a real mm-hmm. frontal face of fear. But most of the things that we have as fears are truly the lies that we have believed because we believe we live in an unsafe world. Yes, that's very true. And a lie is also an expression of a fear a fundamental fear that has seized a person's life and the person feels the only way he or she can exist or survive is by lying or deceiving or deluding themselves and going through life that way. But that is really extremely unhealthy because ultimately that person is weakening his or her resolve to be happy, to be fulfilled, to be free because lying, again, 
casts a pall over the person's life. It casts a net over the person. And the person, it's almost like walking down a beautiful beach uh, with heavy boots on in the sand. It's very cumbersome. And it's very, eventually it's going to exhaust the person. So the only solution to that is, again, that person needs to reclaim his identity because his identity has become mutated by his fear. And you write that lying is a curse because it drains us of our life force. But there's so many different ways that we lie. Like I think people don't realize that withholding withholding feelings, withholding Mm -hmm. words that we need to say, withholding uh, even our fears. Um, All Mm -hmm. of that is uh, akin to a lie. And so these are different ways that we have energy leaks, I would think, um, both from our body, from our zest for life, for that enthusiasm to even have fresh eyes. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's very true. And the other thing is that... uh, um, to be able to escape from that modality of behavior, again, going back to the probably one of the underlying themes of the entire book is self-examination, self-exploration, self-reflection. In order to achieve that freedom, because to remove those masks that you just talked about, Shimon, you need to study and think about yourself at least temporarily until you can get into a, on a path of really true freedom. True freedom is being fully authentic, being yourself, being happy, being free, dealing with the world objectively. Part of the problem that we see in the United States and in the entire world, actually, is that many people are being diluted by their thinking, by their own emotional rupturing and they're not able to be objective in looking at the reality and studying it and say this is what this is what I need to do these are the good things that I want to promote that I want to advocate the humanitarian values being kind being compassionate being considerate being open being giving being loving if we can bring these forth in the world, then you are really uh, an actualized, holistic person. Then you become a beautiful soul. But it does require a little bit of purging, so to speak, of the things that have conditioned you away from these things. And this is really the ultimate purpose, I think, of our lives is to remove those layers, those kind of artificial layers that have been imposed upon us so that we can be our core, unencumbered, free self. Mm. Neil Grace has written a book entitled Fresh Eyes Upon the World, Making Life a Spectacular Journey. In Chapter 9, he asked the question, Why do many people have delusions about themselves and the world? Followed by a statement that says, It takes an unrelenting commitment of objective inquiry to know oneself, just as he has said. Delusions are a form of self-obsession and self-control. The more a person becomes rigid in his thinking, the more likely he is going to support his position with a slew of distorted information to buttress this perspective. We all go looking for other people who support our views. We gravitate toward places matching our way of thinking. One of the best ways to gain mastery over this subject is to become more objective. Try to be open 
by getting exposure to various viewpoints. Collect as much information as possible, sift through it, and then make a choice based upon a sound and rational conclusion. These are Neil Grace's words from his book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, and you can find out more about him at neilgrace.com. We're going to get back to this wonderful conversation with... uh, with this very insightful gentleman uh, as soon as we come back from these messages. But before we do, I want to tell you a little bit about BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If something is interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, this might be of interest to you. And uh, we've got a special offer for 11 11 listeners where you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash 11 Uh, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist where you can start communicating in under 48 hours. This is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is actually professional counseling that's done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available that might not be available in your local area, and it is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account at any time. You get timely and thoughtful responses And they're committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. They want you to start living a happier life today. So definitely check out betterhelp.com forward slash 11. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And you can join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Again, the special offer for 1111 Talk Radio listeners is 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash 11. And financial aid is available for those who qualify. It's safe, secure, convenient, professional, and affordable. We'll be right back after these messages with more Neil Grace and fresh eyes upon the world. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. 
Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Before we get back to my guest, I want to mention there's a couple of banners on the 1111 Talk Radio show page. If you scroll down, you can get a new free journal that I have created. It will help to inspire you. And uh, further down at the bottom of the page, you can uh, register for three free talks uh, and meditations that I think will also uplift and inspire you as well. I uh, love for you to experience 1111 Magazine. It is always there and available for you free and digital. And the October issue uh, will be out in the next couple of days as well. So you can continue to enjoy the September issue. Neil Grace asked the question, how can we have a healthy relationship with money? That's probably a question that a lot of people have floating through their minds on a regular basis. But he also will tell you, you can befriend money by replacing your toxic attachment to it with a healthy attitude. When you hoard money, you become the architect of your own incarceration. When you renounce money, you become a victim of it. Those who condemn it are not facing their own issues about money. And you have to remember that money is an energy, so you can abuse or value and place it in its proper perspective. When you use it to create a sense of power, you become a tyrant and a slave to your own denial of fears around money. And when you are parsimonious, you choke your life force and end up stifling the resilience that enables you to feel safe and happy in the world. This is from Neil Grace's book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, Making Life a Spectacular Journey. And he covers a variety of topics, anything from things that will apply personally to you to things that bridge you with the world. Welcome back, Neil. Money's a big issue for a lot of people. They want it. They want more of it. They never have enough of it. They fear it. They hate it. They love it. There's so many things that we feel about money. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh because it's very sad and pathetic, but yes, money is such a vital component to our survival. You know, in contemporary civilization, money is pretty indispensable. Uh, we really can't do much without it as far as food and clothing and housing, entertainment, travel, um, health and, you know, all the things that we need, you know, you need to buy a pair of glasses that cost money. <laughs> so I think it's, it's quite unfortunate uh, that it's pretty pervasive that most people have a rather um, unhealthy attitude around money. So the very first step, the prerequisite required to create a healthy relationship with money is to change your attitude. When you have an attitude that's going to say, um, I hate money. Money is, I'm obsessed with money. I don't like it. It's pressure. I don't want to have to 
fight for it and work for it. Or I want so much of it, I'm never satisfied. Or I don't want to, uh, I don't deserve money. I don't deserve to earn a lot. I don't deserve, you know, this thing, these things cost too much. You complain all the time. All of those toxic and, and, and rather uh, sinister attitudinal uh, pro- approaches will completely condemn and sabotage your relationship with money. So the very first thing you need to do is to heal your attitude. I want money to be a friend. I don't want to be a slave to money, nor do I want to negate money. I want money to become integrated in my life in a healthy way, just like you take care of your body or the way you should. If you take care of your body, your body is going to respond in a very positive way. So you want to have a good attitude around money, and money is a complex thing. You know, it is something all of us need. We all want. We aspire to to get more of it. We need to make sure that we're not being a slave to money. And that means either being extremely greedy or extremely um, penurious. We don't want to be so terrified and emotionally caught up in a vortex of, of a money hang-up that we never enjoy life. We need money to survive, as I said earlier. And the more we can approach this thing in a harmonious and conscious way, the more that money will flow to us. And we will, money is an exchange. It's a circulation that we have with the world. It's the energy. You know, it's like turning on your lights in your house. If you have the, the power to turn it on and it's dark, turn on your lights. And you don't need the lights, turn them off during the day. So you want to make sure that money comes, it ebbs and flows, and it comes into your life in a way that you're never, you're never harmed emotionally by the lack of money or the fear of money. Money is an energy, and I've often uh, heard that money is the metaphysical equivalent to relationship. And so many times, you know, relationships will have issues because of money. So when we are not allowing that ebb and flow, that exchange, uh, we are not only constricting ourselves and our lives, but we're actually hindering our ability to be in a relationship. That's do you think? Well do, you, do you think that um, we are at a place in time, and with the circumstances that have faced our world, and how how we're having to uh, look at money in different ways, that there's a shift available when it comes to perceiving what we make as our value. And I don't know if I asked that question clearly enough, so tell me if I didn't. Um, so what I'm understanding, Shimron, is that how we value ourselves correlates or how we have self-esteem, how that correlates with the abundance of money or the lack thereof. Is that correct? I think in this world we have been conditioned to believe based on what you have you have a certain value. And so how do we shift out of that? Or is there an, a correlation between the money and the value that people can uh, shift out of that you can recommend? Yes, yes. I think, again, the more that you're at peace with who you are, 
the more that you own and honor yourself, and that's a very important key word, you need to honor yourself, the more you cherish who you are as a unique, individual, unduplicated masterpiece of the cosmos, the more you own that, the more likely money is going to successfully come washing up on the shores of your island, poetically speaking. Truthfully, you need to be positive about yourself before you can be positive about anything else, including money. So it is incumbent upon you, it is your responsibility to manage yourself, to feel good about yourself, to appreciate yourself, to have gratitude for yourself, and then as you interact dynamically with anything on the outside world, including employment, including a, um, your own business or whatever it is that you may do, whatever service you may offer, that relationship will be much smoother and much more flowing. So own your own self-esteem and your, the chances of you becoming more prosperous are greatly increased. So that then correlates to the idea of success. And there's so many versions of what success is, and some of those are lies, and, and, and then there is possibly an ultimate truth that true success is really when you reach that place of inner fulfillment. How do you look at success or share with people uh, the ability to achieve success? That's a very important question, Shimron. Probably one of the most important questions because it's going to be a little difficult to explain this, but I will try to be <coughs> excuse me, very concise. First of all, most of us are programmed or conditioned to define success a certain way using certain criteria. We use success based on what we're told success is. You need to be the best at this. You need to earn this much money. You need to have this much recognition. It's all based on kind of an external, ego-oriented template. And that template is really somewhat of a fallacy. Yes, it feels good to be acknowledged. Yes, it feels good to make a lot of money and to use the criteria that society deems um, uh, as necessary for success. There's nothing wrong with those things. But the true success is the fact that you're breathing, you're alive, that you, who you are is successful. When you measure yourself against other people or other standards imposed by society, you will never be successful. You will never be happy or rarely. So success, the fact that you even exist, is a remarkable miracle unto itself. Whatever you do, if you do the best you can do, without judging yourself, without being too critical, you are being successful. Whether you write a poem, whether you paint a picture, whether you take a walk in the woods and you want to look at the beautiful butterflies or the birds, you are being successful. Do you have to be the most knowledgeable person about the birds in order to be successful? No. There's nothing wrong with aspiring to being more knowledgeable, but accepting 
and appreciating where you are and whatever endeavor you're doing, that unto itself is a form of profound success. And when we can allow that feeling to permeate our consciousness and our beings, we are going to feel uplifted, inspired, and we're going to cherish life. And guess what? We'll become even more successful because we're operating from a very positive point of view. All of the points in your book are quite profound, and they really do speak to individuals doing the level of inner work and really coming to the bare bones of, of what they think and believe and feel inside of themselves. And it's so easy as, as human beings, especially in Western society, because we live very much in the mental realm, to intellectually believe that we grasp these areas, whether it is about money or success or relationships or uh, neutrality or any of the things that we've talked about so far. But there's a very fine line between intellectual absorption and true integration where it has been mm. fully embodied. Can you talk a little bit about that link or that leap, actually, from intellectual absorption to full embodiment integration? Well, the intellect, uh, we don't want to um, dismiss or diminish the intellect. The intellect's a beautiful thing, too. But more importantly, as you said, the integration of our spiritual nature. And the spiritual nature, is, it, it's a little hard to define it, but is, it is the heart. It's your feelings. It's your intuition. It's how you treat yourself. It's how you find the sanctuary of love and beauty within yourself and in the world. And the more you can integrate a sense of wonder, then you can perceive the miracle of the world. When you can look at a tree and see how magnificent it is, not just the textures and the colors and everything, but the energy of it, the fact that it's a living thing, and you actually absorb that and integrate that into your body, into your heart, into your soul, what you're doing is you're actually merging with the oneness of life. Because everything in the universe, as John Muir said well over 100 years ago, everything is connected. Nothing can be separated. We're all connected uh, to everything. Um, and that connection is very, very profound and allows you to almost transcend the, the mundane, the pettiness of life. I mean, those things are, too, are real, too. We need to, you know, get up and wash our face and brush our teeth and, and do the essential tasks that are rather ordinary. But in every moment, the extraordinary exists. And when you can integrate the extraordinary into those moments, when you can merge the two, then life becomes a much more gleeful, glorious, and, and precious experience. Why do some people become bullies, racists, and terrorists, and how can we heal them? This book that Neil Grace has written, Fresh Eyes Upon the World, spreads across the full gamut of the things that might be occupying your life and your mind, anywhere from personal growth, uh, ideas about success and receptivity and loneliness, and 
uh, children and families and being more hopeful to many of the larger topics such as racism. Uh, And there's a powerful statement that he says here, the abrasive acts of a person can be changed through the right guidance and love. And with the divisiveness right now and the talks of all of racism and how to heal that in our country particularly, it is important to really embrace that idea that right guidance and love is a possibility. Racism is one of the most despicable forms of ignorance in the world. It is fueled by a group mindset. All the poisonous tributaries of each individual come together in a ferocious confluence of energy, flooding the group mentality with hatred, which is very difficult to stop. When a person is swept into the group energy, it becomes almost impossible to maintain the integrity of his own thinking. This is why entire societies can support vile actions against millions of innocent people. A racist is an adult bully. We're going to talk a little bit more about this when we come back from these messages uh, with more of a wonderful discussion with Neil Grace and Fresh Eyes Upon the World. want more more joy more abundance more power and presence how would it feel to have more loving relationships more empowered community greater fulfillment and life purpose the 1111 mastermind community inspires empowers guides and supports transformation shift your mind expand your heart deepen insights let go and chart a new course dream a new dream The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. 
I am with Neil Grace today, and we are discussing his book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World. And if you are wanting a refreshing view outside of your own head about how to look at some different things that pertain to you personally, as well as uh, collective consciousness, then this is a great opportunity to be able to see things in a particularly different way. I loved his chapter on uh, healing loneliness. Loneliness afflicts people for short bursts of time almost every day we live. And it is when you feel out of sorts with yourself. It is when you feel estranged from other people and no one knows you and you cannot communicate the depths of your feeling to anyone. You feel marooned on a desert island with no way of escaping. It is a tragic feeling that engulfs you in a palpable suffering when the breathing becomes difficult and it can become so overpowering that it can be suffocating. Loneliness is when you have lost your confidence and your power. You feel helpless to reach out to others. When you do, you can't seem to connect well. You are left bereft of hope. And then the world turns acrid, parched like a burnt forest. Nothing can save you because your loneliness is self-induced. There is a lot of loneliness in our world. And so there is a need to develop that confidence and that inner power and do that self-reflection Uh, Neil Grace's book might be the perfect way to start. Fresh Eyes Upon the World, Making Life a Spectacular Journey. You can find out more at neilgrace.com. When I left the last segment, Neil, we were talking, I was reading from your book, um, a section on racism. And that is definitely uh, in the news. It is at the forefront of so many issues right now. Uh, It is in our faces uh, when it comes to to violence and, and, and different things. And it is a poisonous tributary, as you write, that uh, does tend to bring people into it. And you say that a racist is an adult bully. With where we are in the world right now and what you see, what's the greatest thing that you'd like to share at this time about racism and how we can shift that view? Well, it's a very, very serious problem, and it's a very unfortunate, tragic problem. And it's totally unnecessary. And what I would say and and really um, admonish people who have that tendency is to look at themselves. Because racism is a form of blaming a group of people for the woes of the world, your own dissatisfaction, your own fears. A racist is really breeding fear whether it's fear that this person is going to change, these people are going to come and change your, the status quo of your life, whether they're a threat to you, it's all fear-based. <coughs> Excuse me. And why I say a racist is a bully, because a bully is a person who is riddled with fear. That person needs to, to diminish and put other people down to feel self-empowered. It's like playing uh, king of the mountain, and he wants no one to get to the top. It's an insecurity. A racist is insecure. And if anything, what that racist is doing, that racist is breeding and fomenting and proliferating hate. Hate is not a good thing. When you hate something, you're actually hurting yourself, you're destroying yourself, you're destroying the the quality and the beauty and the purity of life itself. You're being unfair to yourself. And you're taking all your self-loathing 
and you're imposing that self-loathing on other people because of either the color of their skin or their religious background or their lifestyle or the fact they might be gypsies or Amish or whatever. That is not healthy. It is not good. You need to take responsibility to heal that within yourself. It's like looking at nature, looking at the beautiful wild um, flowers in a meadow in spring in the mountains. Are you going to discriminate against the red ones or the purple ones or the yellow ones? No. Life is diverse. Life is a, human life is extremely diverse. Instead of condemning and hating people who are different, a little bit different than you are, love them, cherish them, make them feel good and make them feel belong to your community, make them feel that they're a part of who you are. We need to really shift this despicable and this contemptible way of being. It doesn't serve anyone. The racist will never feel happy, no matter what. And the racist needs to look at why he or she is doing this to themselves and to others. Find the security, find the safety, find the love, the serenity, the tranquility within yourself in the midst of a very diverse and beautiful world. There's beauty in the diversity. No one person has the exact same skin tone color as another person. So to what degree do you say that person, because their skin tone is a little bit darker or whatever, or they might have blue eyes or red hair? I mean, it's all, it's, racism is absurd if you really think about it. We're all part of life. We've all been engendered from the origin of life that started in the, uh, uh, and the uh, Olduvai Gorge in Africa. We're all part of these things, and we've all kind of diversed kind of, not diverse, we've digressed out into this incredible mosaic of human expression. So work on yourself, heal yourself, learn to love, not hate. And it is it's definitely the place that we have to go. And I think when we look at the world, we look at the news, we look at the political debates, we, we are facing, uh, you know, what has happened over 2020 that has um, in one way been very good to have people have to be with themselves, but in another way has created some apathy, some indifference, some um, numbness to what is out there to, to become more hopeless uh, in regard to the issues and the things where people don't take a stand or they don't uh, create an inspired action. The steps towards that, when we have you know this this proliferation of the negativity that is in the world, and then those that uh, are in the middle ground that can do something simply by working on themselves, but are falling into apathy and indifference. Can you talk a little bit about the disease of apathy and indifference and how to move out of that hopelessness to be able to be the change that we need to see in the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, apathy is really an avoidance. Um, Sometimes people get very cynical and they're so angry and disgusted that they withdraw. They recede from the, uh, the playing field of life. But I think 
probably one of the most beautiful things that we can do as an individual in this world. And the world is very complex. We know there's close to, I think, close to 8 billion people now. And it's, it's so amazingly multifaceted um, human cultures. But we as individuals can take a stand. We can express ourselves. We can write an email. We can write to our Congress people. We can write to our friends. We can communicate verbally. We can say things. When we see something that's not appropriate, we can gently, compassionately, and effectively speak out. To speak out, now a person might say, well, that's not going to do very much. That's probably true, but it's better than nothing. Everything you do is an action toward creating more of a sublime world, more of a healthy culture and society for all of us. Everything we do, the singular vote is not going to change out of hundreds of millions of people who have the potential to vote in this country. It's not going to change things. But that one vote is your expression. And that's your sovereign right to make that stance, to take that stance and to take that action. And every time that you can do something, no matter how small or insignificant it might seem, you are doing something to bring the world a little closer to a place of peace and harmony. So those actions collectively, accumulatively, are extremely invaluable. And remember that. That's why I really encourage people to stand up, to speak out, to share their truth. Again, in as much of a constructive way as possible. Now, going around and destroying property, I understand the level of frustration on part of these people, but that does not, it's not constructive. You're not helping. You're not helping to mend things. You're not helping to, to solve the problems. But do speak out. Let people know what you think, what you feel. Engage them and communicate in ways that you can reveal your own heart, your own conscience in such a way that you are improving the quality of life. Mm. You have some pretty... Uh big picture views when it comes to capital punishment, to gun control, to some of the other social issues that you talk about in your book. And since we're running out of time, I can't go into some of those things, but I wanted to mention to people that those types of things are there. We have just about a couple of minutes left, Neil, and I would love for you to share what can be done to make public schools better educational institutions. You write underneath, When we teach young people how to cultivate good values and virtues, we are investing in a healthy future for our civilization. It was a lovely chapter, so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Well, I think it's really simple that I think the public educational system needs to try to help instill in the students uh, a sense of good humanitarian values. It, It should help to build character, information, Knowledge, um, of course, is very important, too, but really help to build a character uh, trait within the students that they can be kinder, more sensitive, more compassionate, more understanding, more open, more gentle, more uh, appreciative and grateful young people. And that will grow as as they get older, and that will form the, the... the foundation from which they can operate to be 
better people, to make good decisions, to be more constructive and, and productive with who they, how they conduct themselves. It's all about how we conduct ourselves. We're in this incredibly vast world together, uh, vast world of humanity. And the more we can be positive, good people, the better the whole world will be. And we will be able to build a bridge to the future triumphantly. This is from Neil Grace, Fresh Eyes Upon the World. A sleeping mystic lives within us all. We have just been bewitched by a spell of fear that drained us of our adventurous nature. We are all tumbling through the mystery of existence. We are all poets, guardians of life's secrets. Some of us write different verses by the way we move through the world. Voluminous anthologies, cryptic sonnets, luminous lyrics and refreshing revelations. We all leave legacies of truth in glowing triumph, in parades of grand celebration. This is one of the beautiful pieces that was in the book from Neil Grace. I invite you to uh, get your own copy. You can go to his website, neilgrace.com, and find out more about him and other things that he has done. And um, if you get your copy of Fresh Eyes Upon the World, you can have some of those deep introspective discussions with yourself as to success, the secret formula of high achievers, Uh, the best way to heal loneliness, how to become more authentic, or you can uh, deepen into contemplation on some of the bigger issues. Why do people join cults and gangs? Why is there a lot of drudgery in the world, and how can you feel more alive in it? How can people better connect, and how can we become better listeners? So many wonderful topics in this book, Fresh Eyes Upon the World. Thank you, Neil, for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It was a pleasure to have you here. Again, you can find out more oh, about him at Neil Thank Grace. You, Absolutely. You can find out more about him at neilgrace.com. Next week, my guest will be Erica Buenaflor, and we are going to be talking about shamanism and rites of passages. So I hope you will join me next week in love of love with love and as love. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.